morning, get a chance to hear about international ministry, and uh, appreciate Dennis and Julie being here. If you have your Bible, go to me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we'll look at um, the leadership of deacons uh, here at Bible Fellowship Church. We're going to share some things about that. I pray that this morning as you gather around with me, uh, around the Word of God, that you brought your Bible. We're going to get a chance to look at it. I know all of you, as you're part of the work industry, you get a chance to go through job evaluations. And so as you look at this, the Word of God, I just encourage you to say, Lord, help evaluate my life with these characteristics. As I look through these truths of the Word of God, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to make this part of your life from the inside out. Say, God, I want this to be to represent me. So if you have your Bible, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8, it says this, Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. The last part of that, verse uh, 9, says this, They must hold on to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. As you look at the Word of God, I recognize that we have been through uh, the leadership characteristics of elders, and I know I have been encouraging you as you look at that passage of Scripture. And so some of these things are going to duplicate, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, on, on a lot of these characteristics because you are already aware of it, because we've talked about that. But if you look at uh, verse 8, it says, worthy of respect. And uh, as a concept or a thought process that I have for that is a man of dignity. A deacon should be worthy of respect, a man of Christian character, worth imitating. That individual needs to have a serious mind that leads to characteristic lifestyle of example. Also, you see the word sincere there. I have thought process of not double-tongued. Being honest, not hypocritical. A person who keeps his word. It's very important for us as a deacon, and we're involved in the deacons here at Bible Fellowship Church. This is a group of people that actually get a chance to serve. And out of the community, helping different people, helping the widows, helping people that are in need. And so we take this office very um, um, seriously. And I, I do think it's important that a deacon is a person that can keep his word. I realize everybody's busy. I realize everybody gets tired. I realize everybody has 15,000 different commitments, but when we say, hey, we're going to be there to help this person, we want this, these people to be sincere, we want these men to be sincere and actually keep to their word, I realize that there are times that you have to make adjustments, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but I think somebody needs to be uh, keeping of their word. Not indulging in much wine, we've talked about that, you know how I really feel about that, and I think the scripture teaches it very clear that we are called not to be drunk. And I think for me as a person, I want to be a person that's willing to tell myself no when it comes to this area of my life. Uh, The other one that you read is not pursuing dishonest gain. Uh, Paul did not want Timothy to put men in office that were looking to make money. Uh, Being a deacon is an opportunity that you'll get recognition. And so, hey, by the way, uh, I'm a deacon, so I want to be helped out financially. Also, it's very important in the early church that the deacons were the ones that handled the money. And they were going to be the ones that were going to be distributing the money. And so Paul saying to Timothy, make sure when you are involved that you find a deacon that's going to be a leader of this church that's not looking to make money out of the title of their office of being held as a deacon. I realize I went through that very fast because this is what I really want to share with you this morning that's really been pressing on my heart is verse 9. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith. I think it's very important there's a lot of times we know deep truths of the scripture, but what's really interesting to me that Paul didn't leave it in just what they knew. Paul made sure that this was very practical in these men's lives, that they were deep, uh, they held a deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. 
So Paul's sharing with Timothy that he's looking for men that were going to be willing to build fortresses around themselves and say, God, this is truth. And no matter how much things change around me, I am going to hold to the truth. I'm going to be an individual that will battle for the truth. Not just the cotton candy part of church. All of us like to gather and feel good when we leave. There are churches that are making a lot of money because they will not tell people the truth. They will tell people what they want to hear. The only problem is generations come and those people suffer because the people that were doing the cotton candy church now we're going to wreak generational destruction on people's lives because they weren't honest with them. Christianity is not easy. It doesn't always feel good. You don't get what you want. It's not convenient. Oh, it can be all of those things. But my Savior is willing to die on a cross for my sins. And my Savior is saying to Paul to tell to Timothy, hey, find some people that are going to be willing to battle for truth, that will put some guardrails around them, and that they will hold to the deep truths of Scripture. Now I realize that I'm not going to go through 15 doctrinal steps here this morning. Okay, I understand that. There's something I think is very interesting. As you are growing up in a generation, you're living in a generation, that you're going to actually be challenged in the truth that you believe in for the first time in a church history's life in America. We will be studying and hearing and talking and we'll be reading, and you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to follow the truth of the Word of God? Are you going to follow the culture? Are you going to follow the lies of this world? I realized this morning that I'm going to get, and I'm going to give you a couple of things. Some of these are very, very simplistic. But it's for the first time in your life, you're going to actually have to hold on to it. That you're going to be held accountable for these words. And that people will laugh at you. The first thing that I believe is very interesting to me is salvation is by faith. Most of us know that. Most of us have heard that over the years. Most of us can go to a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. But verse 10 is very important. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. In the church of Ephesus, they wanted to be able to know that salvation was by faith. But they also wanted to demonstrate with their lifestyle that they believed in what they were told. I believe in salvation by faith, but I also believe that God has created me as a workman to be involved in my society. And I need to be one of those people that say, you know what, God? I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to be your workman in our society. Very interesting. Back in the book of Ephesians, you go back to the teachers of the law. It's very interesting. Why did Jesus die, really? Why did they, why did they crucify Jesus? Why did the teachers of the law and the Pharisees crucify Jesus? It's because Jesus was asking them to be a servant. Jesus was totally reestablishing Christianity. They had religion. Those teachers of the law, they knew truth. They understood. But they wanted to say, you know what? I don't want this for myself. The teachers of the law wanted to make sure Jesus had died so they could be in charge. So they could run their own lives. So they could be the rulers. So this morning as you've gathered here today, I'm asking you and encouraging you that you need to hold on to a deep truth of Scripture that a salvation is by faith. Also something is interesting, take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 10. 
As we enter into Matthew chapter 10, and we look at this passage of Scripture, if you look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, it says this, Brothers will betray brothers to death, and fathers his children. Children rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because... And who is, who's talking here? Jesus. All men will hate you because of Jesus. John chapter 15, go there with me. Most of us are aware of John chapter 14 where, where Thomas says, he's, where he asked Jesus the question. Jesus says he's the way, truth, and life. John chapter 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'm going to give you a counselor. Who's that? The spirit of truth. John chapter 15, you get I'm the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. John chapter 15, verse 18, he says this, Jesus is talking, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. The world will hate you, ladies and gentlemen, because we belong to Jesus. There's not going to be any more years to come where the world's going to say, Hey, we're so excited to have you in our community. We're so excited about what you're doing in our community. No, they will hate you. Why? Because we belong to Jesus Christ. And so as you enter into the next 15, 20, 30 years of your life, you need to be taking very well care of that you know truth. What's the truth? That the world hated Jesus and it's going to hate you too. And you be better need to be ready to say, you know, Lord, if and when it comes, I already know it's coming. And when it comes, Lord, I'm still going to put my faith in you, no matter what the world says. No matter how much they hate me, no matter how much they make fun of me, no matter how hard it is to get to a building, or even are we going to have a church in 15 years? Is this property going to exist under the name Bible Fellowship Church? Will we be, will we be allowed to meet? I don't know. But even if the world says to me, hey, you're not going to have an establishment, and you can't have a church, guess what? This book's still going to be open in my home. Knowing that when I open this book, I already know that the world's going to hate me. That's just truth. Here's something else that's really interesting. Uh, Take your Bible, go to Romans chapter 8. When you get to Romans chapter 8, most of us are very well familiar with Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I'm not going to read that to you this morning. It's also just mind-blowing for me as I think about Romans chapter 8, I think about the Apostle Paul, who God used to write the book of Romans. I think about a couple passages of Scripture. Acts chapter 7. You don't have to flip there, but I want you to just think about it. Acts chapter 7, the deacon, his name was Stephen, stood up and testified. Stephen knew the deep truths of Scripture. Go back and read through Acts chapter 7 sometime. It's amazing, his message. Stephen dies, stoned to death. Who was there? Apostle Paul. Another passage of scripture that I think about uh, Romans chapter 8 is Galatians chapter 1 verse 13. Who was the persecutor? The Apostle Paul. I think of 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. Who was the chief sinners? Paul calls himself the chief sinner. So if there's anybody that understands and as the, the, the Holy Spirit is empowering the Apostle Paul's hands, think about this. Romans chapter 8 verse 37. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who 
loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, future, nor powers, neither heights, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul stepping back and actually reading those words? Out of all the stuff that he had been involved in, then God, you love me that much. Nothing can separate me, God, from your love. And as I think about that passage of Scripture, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Because I'm very sensitive and I'm very well that pretty much every uh, hymn that we, or every worship song that we sing has a tendency to remind us of how much God loves us. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I also want to remind you of 1 Peter chapter 1, where Peter reminds those believers that they serve an amazing God, verses 1 and 2, that they have hope in verse 3. In verses 4 through 9, he reminds them of their rewards. And in verse 13, he says this. Therefore, prepare your minds for actions. Be self-controlled. Set your hope on fully on the grace that is given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you lived in ignorance. But just as you were called, just as he who is called is holy, so you also be holy because I am holy. The deep truth. It's nothing new. I ask you a question. Is that a characteristic of your life? Nobody's watching. Just me and Jesus. Is that a characteristic of my life? And I realize, as, a, as an individual, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a leader, as a brother, in, in our family, there's nothing more in my life that I would want to do is to be holy. And in saying that, this is one of the verses that I love, is, is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You make the choice. You say, God, here's my life. I will be that sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I this morning, as I, as I read you these things, and if you go back with me to 1 Timothy, I recognize that these are all neat Bible concepts. As far as I'm concerned, as I look at this, this is biblical leadership authority that I need to surrender my life to. And a lot of people know biblical information. But what Paul was going to challenge these leaders as deacons is to take their biblical information and he says these words to them. They must hold to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying... That these men need to live their lives in a conduct in such a way that there is no glaring inconsistencies with what they profess to believe, what they say they believe. Yeah, Jesus, I believe in you. What they say they believe, and in other words, they live their lives by what they practice matches what they preach. We've gathered around something today called the Word of God. 
You've gathered to an opportunity to say, God, what do you have for me today? There's words here. Some of these words are going to jump off the page to you. Every single one of us is going to get something different when we walk out of this building. It's okay. But do you hear the still small voice? Is the voice talking to you about respect? Sincerity? Is it talking to you about the wine? Is it talking to you about the dishonest game? Is it talking to you and saying, hey, I want to encourage you today. Hold to the truth. It's coming. And don't just hold to it and say, I got the intellectual value. But my life matches what I know is true. God, I want to hunger to know this book. So I say, hey, I want to follow you. Know something's true. There's going to be a day that you're going to meet Jesus face to face. I know something else is true. There'll be nobody else standing next to you. You'll have no opportunity to blame anybody for your mistakes when you stand before Jesus. It's going to be you and Jesus, one-on-one accountability. He's not going to allow you to say, well, my dad treated me bad, or my mom treated me bad, or my aunt did this, or my great-grandma did this. Uh -uh, It's just going to be you and Jesus. And he's going to say to you, hey, here's the book. Here's the word of God. Here's the opportunity that I had to speak to your heart over and over again. That still small voice. Did you listen? I know one thing. If you didn't listen now, you're going to wish you listened when you see him face to face. If you listen now, maybe he'll just say this to you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We've gathered this morning. You've heard words. You read words. You sing words. There's one name that will change your life. It's Jesus. So this morning, whatever that still small voice is speaking to you, my word of encouragement for you today is you listen. When you hear that still small voice... My second word of encouragement to you is you surrender whatever he's asking from you. Because whatever he's asking you will make your life better. Your life will never be the same. Say, hey, I surrender. I give it to you. He's not afraid of the little little dark rooms of your life that you're afraid that you don't want anybody to find out about. He's not afraid of those rooms. He knows about those rooms. There's nothing in that little dark room that will separate you from the love of God. Except you. Except you saying, I don't want him to do anything that way. You, have, you can do that. And I've watched people do it for a long time. The only person that they hurt is themselves. And their family. That still small voice is saying to you today, it's time to become part of my family. It's really simple. Saying, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you for forgiveness of my sin today. There's not one of us sitting in this room that's not a sinner. There's not one of us sitting in this room that doesn't have a sin problem. Not one of us. You dealt with your sin problems? You said yes to Jesus? You asked for forgiveness of your sin? You have today. Let's pray. Father, as you look into our family, I want to say thank you. I want to thank you that you say thank you that you're big enough, God, to know every single one of us sitting in this room and every single student 
at Purdue University in Florida, at all the universities all across the world. You know them all. That's how amazing, that's how big you are. We welcome you. Jesus, you know, who's sitting in this room have said yes to you. That have looked at a cross and said, hey, I believe in that cross. I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins today. You know which ones are your brothers and sisters. You know which ones are your children in this room today. You know their names. Just open up your heart to him and say, hey, you know what? If you don't know him, he's an amazing savior. Your life will never be the same. It's not going to be perfect. You're not always going to be happy. You're not going to be rich per se. But I'll tell you what, you'll have joy and peace deep down inside that nobody can offer except you. You can have life today that comes only through Jesus Christ. I know most of you. So God, if there's some brothers and brothers and sisters that are mine, your son or your daughter, that's struggling today, that you want to speak a still, small voice into their heart. Speak it loudly, please. And as a friend, when he speaks, please welcome him, please. When he speaks, please don't run. Don't run away. Run to him. He died for you. He loves you. Jesus, because you love me, make my life a living sacrifice. Help me to no longer buy into the lies of the world. Help me no longer to be conformed to this world, but transform my mind through the word of God. If you're here this morning and you'd like to pray with somebody, we have the What's Next ministry out the back, second door on the left. They'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you for using the Apostle Paul to write some words to Timothy and to challenge this group of believers to hold on to the deep truths of the faith. Father, the power of your Holy Spirit, please make that a characteristic of our lives, of the Bible Fellowship Church family, no matter what the world says, no matter what our friends says, no matter what the TV says, no matter what the newspaper says, may we remain faithful to the Word of God in an ever-changing culture. In your name I pray, amen.